Hello and welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast from Arcadis, where we focus on the recovery and revival of our cities. I'm Emma Nelson, and today we talk about place tech, a word we're beginning to see more and more of in plans and briefs. We'll explain what it means. Place tech is the stuff that people can do in the public when you're out and about shopping or looking for a restaurant or finding an office. We'll examine the big challenges associated with bringing technology into our public spaces. You have the ability to switch off all of the trackers, all of the cookies, and people necessarily don't mind sharing their data, but they want to have the option to say no. And we'll see what Playstech can do for our neighbourhoods. Communities at large can engage and learn about things that are changing in their local environment. That's all ahead on Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis. And a very warm welcome today. First came PropTech, the introduction of technology to help the way our buildings function and the way we interact with them. Well, now we head into the public realm and have place tech, another expression that's filling column space in the media and appearing on the to-do list of planners and developers, from flying taxis being trialled ahead of the Paris Olympics to the NHS track and trace system. This is prop tech on an altogether different scale. Well, to go through it all, to work out what it is and to find out how we will be using it in the future, I'm joined by... Nilesh Palmer, Global Solutions Director for Arcadis, an engineering and property consultancy. Roxandra Dulescu, CEO of Within International and Enteragora. And Paul Unger, editor of Placetech, a property technology publication. Welcome, everybody, to Long Story Short. Well, let's begin by trying to explain a few things. We live in a world where we recognise a lot of words, but we don't necessarily understand them completely. We asked a couple of people what they think the word place tech means. I see place technology as something that could potentially help enhance or improve your experience whilst you are somewhere like an office or a school or at an entertainment venue. I love that I can travel to some city that I've never been to before and I can still get around without having to ask people or actually use a physical map. Nilesh, let's kick things off with you. When we use the expression place tech, what does it mean? Place tech for me and for Arcadis is where technology meets the built or natural environment and it helps improve people's experience, whether they're passing through or occupying spaces. So the way I see that tech can help society at large is by its integration, which will drive sustainable assets and places. Paul, it's a new word in our vocabulary, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Some people don't like the jargon and the the terms, but um, I think they are useful when getting used to new concepts. Generally, prop tech is is any technology and innovation that has come into the whole built environment world from construction and land assembly and planning architecture right through the life cycle of a building or any asset, any place through to sales and, and lettings. And place tech within that is the stuff that people can do in the public when you're out and about shopping or looking for a restaurant or finding an office, those more public implementations of technology. Nilesh, the expression place tech seems pretty new, but the idea has been around for quite a while, hasn't it? It's just been pretty well hidden. The best forms of place tech is when you don't even realise that they're there. 
because it makes your life seamless in the way it operates because you're able to use it and experience it in a way that doesn't detract from your overall experience that you're trying to to gain. Roxandra, you come from a slightly different perspective, don't you, insofar as the place that you have created has nothing to do with the real world, does it? It's a virtual meeting point. Let's hear a little bit more about it. Enter Agora starts with an immersion into a discovery phase, where we understand our clients' needs and priorities, their business infrastructure, and what success looks like to them. So, Roxandra, this is place having a very different meaning. Absolutely. Enter Agora is created in a way to actually act as an extension of the physical space in the virtual environment. So from that perspective, the place is a little bit different, although it is not meant to replace the actual physical space, but rather to complement it. Paul, just tell us a little bit more about how this stuff works when it comes to navigating a space or finding yourself in somewhere in public. Where does place tech actually come in? I mean, how, how physically does it work? Um, it, it obviously de- depends on what the technology, what the product or service is. A common feature is using the GPS, the geographic positioning systems within our smartphones and using Bluetooth and other signals that respond to the beacons and mobile phone masks and things like that, that organizations that control a space can get information, get data about the people that pass through it that is much more sophisticated than old footfall counters in shopping centers where there'd be just a simple sensor over a doorway seeing how many people go through, but you didn't know much about those people. Now, a shopping center owner can employ a place tech software company, work with a supplier, and they can find out how many pet owners went through on Saturday, the average age, how many people in different brackets of of demographics to find out about our lives and paint a picture of the personalities that are going through. So as as retail goes through turmoil and we see a lot of closures and all the talk of the death of the high street, it helps property developers, landlords, retailers, the tenants themselves be much more scientific and targeted and understand and know their customer that helps them trade more successfully and make better decisions, hopefully. Imagine, Paul, that you and I are walking down the street. Where is Place Tech operating now? There are companies that can tap into your anonymized profile that know some of your likes and dislikes and your behaviors, your shopping habits, such that when you are in a location, electronic advertising billboards around will change to target you and You've been searching for a sofa from a certain retailer and that sofa appears on the billboard in the street. Nilesh, how are you and your partners using Placetech to help communities and to bring them together each day? We've got an ecosystem partner called Iris from North America. They've created a platform where communities at large can engage and learn about things that are changing in their local environment, whether you know, road closures are, are planned, whether there's a festival. And people have really taken well to this, not only in North America, but here also in the UK. We start to see a lot of county councils, city councils starting to sit up and pay a lot of attention to how they can create community engagement. 
Nilesh, one of the areas that you focus on at Arcadis is the issue of air quality monitoring. And that's something where Placetech really does come to the fore, isn't it? Within city centres, town centres and, and public recreation facilities, where people are conscientious about the, the quality of air that they're breathing in. These centres can really help people understand and make choices on where, where they go at certain times. How much has your company had to adapt to what it offers people, Ruxandra, given the fact that a few years ago, if someone had said, we have built a virtual space where you can meet anybody at a conference or any kind of gathering online, people might have looked at you quite blankly and said, actually, I really quite like meeting people. And then COVID came along and suddenly you found yourself answering a lot of questions that people didn't realise they had to ask. Actually, the the idea of Enter Agora started about 10 years ago, but you're absolutely right, Emma. The market wasn't really prepared for that type of technology. And let's face it, there is no replacement for human interaction. And, and this is not actually what Enter Agora is trying to do. What we're trying to do with the technology is offer, in many instances, an alternative to nothing. For example, a lot of our clients have science-based targets that they need to fulfill. Obviously, they need to do a whole roadmap to understand how to fulfill these if we're only talking in the sustainability space. And actually, travel is a big part of how they spend their carbon budgets, if you want to look at it like that. So how a company impacts on the environment. Now, this is where Enteragora comes in and we have uh, the option and the opportunity to still have that gathering. And you're listening to Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis. Today we're talking about Placetech, and I'm joined by Nilesh Palmer, who's Global Solutions Leader for Placetech at Arcadis, Ruxandra Radulescu, who's CEO of Enter Agora, and Paul Unger, editor of Placetech magazine. And I'll come to you, Paul, now, because at the heart of making Placetech a success is balance. So let's look now at some of the real challenges that Placetech faces. How welcome is Placetech? Are we looking at problems that don't necessarily need solving all the time? I think there is a danger that companies that work in, in a tech field operate under the assumption that all tech is good. We've heard climate and, and net zero carbon mentioned already. Now, all tech has embedded carbon in it, it will add to your footprint. So the more systems that you add, the higher the carbon emissions and embedded carbon in that project. I think there is a challenge of getting people to use technology is another challenge I would raise. What's the compulsion to make somebody use that? If we think about QR codes and ordering at a table when the beer gardens and the bars eventually opened in the UK in the middle of last year, that was the way to get served. There was no choice. You couldn't go to the bar. And quickly people got used to downloading these apps um, and ordering. And then the food and drink came out to the table. It was actually quite nice. Apart from the next morning when you get emailed the receipt confirming what you drank the uh, the night before with your clients or colleague not always a great way to start the working day but you know having that compulsion that push to get people to adopt 
apps and, and new technology is, is not always easy. Alexandra, it's a hard question to ask, but do sometimes people accuse you of creating something that we don't necessarily need, that ultimately we all just want to be sitting together in the same room? Um, We don't get accused of that, but there is an aspect to Interagora and it's not meant to be used all the time. There is an emerging pattern of what is called thoughtful travel. So think about the the actions, your company's actions a little bit more. The um, introverts within, within our clients want to use it because they don't actually want to necessarily go and be surrounded by thousands of people, especially now, but even before. Nilesh, let's move on to another key challenge when it comes to place tech. One of them is the issues of data protection and privacy. When you move through a space and you are being guided and there is an assumption that you are going to be participating in something that's connected to place tech, how much as citizens do we want to buy into all this? Are we happier sharing where we are or would we rather have more control of what we're doing? The way data is treated around the world is different and you can see that in the way that different geographies have have dealt with their data protection and privacy laws. I think our aspect is always to be inclusive from an arcadist perspective and always to give people an option on whether they want to opt in or opt out. And it can get very complex when you're doing multi-regional applications. We are sharing our location data, but it is a choice. And I think that's the key point I'm trying to make is I think people are comfortable sharing their data because they're clearly doing it through social uh, media channels. But it's when somebody else is collecting your data, you start to you start to question it. Roxandra, how much do your clients want to deal with the privacy issue? I mean, do they want to be absolutely proactive in terms of telling people what information they're parting company with? Or are they more in the bare minimum sharing what is legally necessary? Let's just take a light touch on this. A lot of our clients have said, well, our people have opted in because they are our people and they're told and the requesting of permission is done by the company because the company wants to know how to best put out content, how to engage with their people. So it's almost an implicit opt-in policy with the clients that deal with things internally. When it comes to external, actually Enteragora offers the opportunity of not being tracked at all. So in the beginning, when you are going on and you're about to connect, you have the ability to switch off all of the trackers, all of the cookies, and we can't even tell that someone is in an environment if they don't opt into having their their data shared. People necessarily don't mind sharing their data, but they want to have the option to say no. Paul, just build on that a little bit for me. The idea that when you are in a private space, such as Enter Agora, or within a building, which is where PropTech is in operation, you know that there's a change in space, that you're moving into a different area. But when you are out and about in public and... A lot of us, I think, underestimate who owns what, where, and who controls what. How much do people actually realise how much of their data is being taken away or used or applied for different purposes? 
there's a very small percentage, would be my hunch, that really understand that they're giving off signals and, and data and, and profile all the time as they're walking about. In the same way as we forget that we're on camera all the time with CCTV, we probably pass through thousands a week walking around a city centre. But similarly, when CCTV came along in, in the 90s, I remember debates about human rights and there were people campaigning against it. And the collective society's mindset was, well, if you're not guilty and you've not done anything wrong, then what are you worried about? And how many of us now regularly claim to have read terms and conditions and tick the box, but we've never even opened up the terms and conditions window to to start reading them? So we don't know how this is going to play out. And are people going to be that bothered? Is there going to be a great big groundswell against this or are people just going to shrug and say well that's life and this is the latest thing and and go along with it. Roxandra tell us a little bit more about planning for place tech's role in business and society. Is the situation is the climate mature enough in terms of rules regulations legislation to mean that we can push ahead with using place tech as part of our future? I think it it really depends on the geographies that we're talking about. I don't think it's mature enough, but I think it needs to start somewhere. In terms of the regulations across the different geographies, it is so different. If we're looking at China, it is an absolute nightmare to get anything over the line there because of huge firewalls. There are other geographies that embrace it much more because they look at the benefits that place tech and and tech brings to business in general, but also to to human beings. If you look at it with fear, obviously you're going to resist it a lot. Paul, Roxandra there is suggesting that we are a long way off. How far off do you think we are before place tech will just become something which is accepted and is used only for the essentials and the necessary bits that genuinely make society and the economy work more smoothly. When you think of Uber, you think of Google Maps, tech is already part of our day-to-day lives. Seeing that bleed over onto the business world and be adopted by property companies is going to take some time. It can be difficult. It can be expensive. It can be time-consuming. Uh, These are complex systems that you have to integrate into other systems in your business. These are not always easy problems to solve. Nilesh, Paul has just said it's difficult, expensive and time-consuming. Where do you see this going in terms of creating place tech options and answers to problems that, that actually genuinely make things easier for us while we're out and about? We're getting calls regularly from clients that are just looking to create better spaces for their citizens, whether it's through monitoring the air quality, whether it's through ensuring that people feel safe within their environments. If you just look at how Singapore operates and its citizens, many people think that their their lives are fast-paced and very tech-dependent. Yes, but the quality of life, some people would say, is far superior than many people in the West. Paul, how can tech improve our sense of community? Can it make us more connected? In terms of community, there's been lots of examples over the last couple of years of moving 
public consultation, which is a, a statutory requirement during the planning process when a, an application with some designs is put into a, a local authority. In the olden days, you would hire a room in the village hall and put some display boards up and say, it's going to look like this, fill in this questionnaire and, and leave it in the pile over there. And now lots of companies are doing online consultations instead. And obviously, there's been a, a push to that. There's been acceleration because they couldn't go to the village hall, but they're seeing greater interaction, greater engagement. There's more people completing the online questionnaire. And there's some very innovative, clever people that are trying to sort of use games and make it more fun um, to get different age groups involved and selecting their own options for what that school might look like or, or whatever. Rook, Sandra, question to you about bringing the community together. There is still a large slice of society which either does not, cannot, for whatever reason, either through choice, age, even resources cannot even perhaps afford to take part in all this. Obviously, in an ideal world, the tech would be accessible by everyone and would only be used for improving everyone's life. But unfortunately, it does need to be aimed at what it can do and what it can do better at a global level where people need to connect, where people need to feel included in the greater organization to feel that their leaders are providing them with the space, with the environment to have their voices heard. Well, that brings us to the end of today's programme. My thanks to Nilesh Palmer, Global Solutions Leader for Placetech at Arcadis, Roxandra Radulescu, who's the CEO of Enter Agora, and Paul Unger, editor of Placetech magazine. Thank you for joining me today. And if you enjoyed that, then make sure you subscribe. You can find fresh podcasts popping up regularly at arcadis.com, where there'll be lots of extras too, all to do with the future of our cities, our communities and their recovery. And if you want to be inspired by blogs, viewpoints and case studies from across the globe, just go to the Knowledge Hub area of arcadis.com. You've been with Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis. I'm Emma Nelson. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Music